podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine, which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny Ultra Vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system, providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Blood and Mud podcast. Slightly day, a day late today, but this is a podcast that saw its mum for the first time in ages. So, woot woot. Yeah, fucking right I did. I don't know if I was technically allowed to do it any, anymore, but I, I decided to... All bets are you off, know. you can drive blind, you can do anything. Exactly. So, so uh, you know, Mark Drakeford sort of indicated that I might be able to do it, so I did it. And nobody stopped me, nobody shot me on the way, you know. Wales seems to have broadly got back to normal. And imagine That's everybody feels better as a result of it, and there was a low risk of infection, so I'm not, you know... Fucking absolutely, yeah. Although I will say, you know, I'm not sure that everyone's garden furniture situation is cut out for this new only meeting people in uh, in gardens social life that we're supposed to have, because there no, there's no shade in my mother's garden, and I'm now sunburnt as, as fuck. Because <laughs> even though it was cloudy yesterday, it was quite hot, and... Yeah, I, I basically just sort of am shriveling before your very eyes. So I am Lee, and a man over there happy to have seen his mum is... Uh, I'm Josh. Slightly pinker Josh than last week, but I'm still Josh. Yeah, no, uh, sunburned, man. It's no good, is it? It's just like... It's just, when you get sunburned when it was cloudy, you just feel like you've been robbed in some way, you know? You're like, if it had been blazing, glorious sunshine and I got sunburned, I'd have been like, yeah, fair enough. To get sunburned when it's cloudy. My parents were married when my mum turned my mum turned seventeen on the Wednesday and they got married on the Saturday. True story. Fair because play. my dad Fair was play. going to Hong Kong with the army and they couldn't be bare to be without each other, therefore they got married. Um, divorced by the time they were twenty six, but uh, <laughs> Yeah. Oh no, twenty nine. But actually it was you know, it was on the rocks a long time before that. But uh, the <laughs> so I was I was made in Hong Kong. As, just as an, as, as an aside, there's a point to this story in that my mum had never left the country before. She was from Lee in Lancashire and found herself going to Hong Kong as her first kind of trip away, which is quite, you know, in 1974, it's quite, it's quite a big, a big thing to do. Anyway, she sat out in a bikini because it's humid as fucking Hong Kong. I've never been, but it's humid as, well, I have been because I was made there, but it's humid as fucking Hong Kong. She sat out that's in a like bikini. It. You were there. Yeah. So she sat out in a bikini and gave herself like fucking second degree burns or something because she put no <laughs> suntan lotion on because it was cloudy. But obviously the rays were coming through with like Southeast Asian sun sort of thing. So yeah, so I imagine but, she was pissed off as well. So not only was she sat there with, yeah. her, with her hair stuck to her head because it was so fucking cloudy as a 17-year-old <laughs> who just left Lee in Lancashire. She got sunburned to fuck while my dad was probably on seven days of, I don't know, <laughs> operations or something. Yeah. Anyway, this is our normal rugby podcast. This is our normal, yeah. This is this is it, yeah. Hong Kong banter, yeah. So um, yeah. anyway, uh, so I'm Lee. Get hold of touch of me at Blood and Mud or Lee at Blood and Mud If you want to ask some more about what I don't know about Hong Kong, and Josh, yep. how do people get hold of you? Uh, at Josh Gardner, yeah. Just just I'm, I'm here for all your. I don't know what I'm here for, to be honest. <laughs> I'm increasingly confused. 
We're on Acast, we're on iTunes and all that. We're on patreon.com slash blood and mud where you can come and give us your support and we thank every single one of you that does that. Uh, we, you, you we've do. done a rugby history episode recently for patrons. I did a, an interview with Ben Jeffries last week which was meant to be for patrons but we thought we put it out as a kind of general release because it was I thought it was important for people to hear Very it. Very interesting. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah so, um, so have a listen if you haven't already. Um, that's worth listening to but thanks for all your support. Now you can do your $2 and get all the extra stuff. You can. Or you can do your $5 VIP lounge, Aled Brew Lounge contribution and you can get not only your name mentioned on here but we now have a go at trying to decide between us what kind of rugby player you would be given the name we know nothing yeah. about you other than your name no, nothing whatsoever and yet we will spit you purely on nomenclature alone yes we're going to give it a go and the, honestly this is there's quite a few this week people obviously want to have their name interpreted so <laughs> here we go first of all thank you very much to Stephen Few who has come yes. online Few as in for the many, not the few, that is spelt. Yes. So you go first. What do you see, Steve? Uh, what I kind of player is Stephen Few? He's sort of a rock-solid loose head who could never quite crack it in the top level in his native Ireland, but he went to the top 14 and became a bit of a cult hero. Loved the fight. Like it. I've got Stephen Few played 356 games at first 5-8 five, first five for Manawatu between 1982 and 1993, fans of the team maintain to this day he was better than Grant Fox. But they'll never know because there was so little televised rugby in So little days. televised rugby, yeah. Second, and thank you very much for your VIP contribution, is Kieran Ricketts. I think that Kieran played for Ebba Vale and was a 16 and mm-hmm. a half stone centre before they were even a thing. <laughs> See, interestingly, because I had Kieran Ricketts was a good footballer in his youth. Um, who then transitioned to uh, being a rangy outside centre with a bit of a flair for long-range goal-kicking when he switched over. But he could never quite make his mark beyond playing for Doncaster in the Championship, but he was a great club man. Like it. Thirdly this week, who's he's, he's coming to the VIP lounge, and you're the first one to go on this one, is Carl Massey. Uh, yeah, who's, who I see as a teak-tough uh, number eight for Border Reavers back in the day. Um, and then he got cast adrift when the club was obviously sadly folded by uh, the SIU um, and ended up in Japan where he's now coaching alongside Graham Henry in the top league. So, okay, that's Carl Massey for you, Rangers second row. Now, let me tell you about Carl Massey. Carl Massey was one of the most exciting rugby league players of his generation. He was a free-scoring fullback or standoff. He was targeted by RFU in 2008 after four blistering seasons at Huddersfield Giants and for Great Britain Rugby League. He signed ultimately for Harlequins, who played him at scrum half to disastrous results. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, yeah. Next is in the VIP. Thank you very much. Is is the fact that it was Carl with the K, which which led me led me. Yeah, I don't know why yeah, that yeah. led me towards rugby league. It did. Anyway, next, and I'm first on this one. Is thank you very much for your VIP contribution, Mark Abrahams. Mark is six foot seven, nineteen and a mm-hmm. half stones. And so terrifyingly violent a second row that even his home nation of South Africa shied away from giving him more than the four caps they reluctantly gave him. <laughs> See, I had Mark Abrams as um, a 17-cap Australian winger who played uh, sporadically between 1992 and 1997. He, he worked very hard. He had a great nose for the try line when he played for the Reds uh, for 250 times, but he was just consistently overlooked despite his excellent club form. There you go, Mark. Next is James Mackay Mount. You're first on this one. Now, I, I 
Yeah. Now, despite being called up for the draft in 1939, uh, <laughs> Mackay Mount captained England schoolboys on their tour of Ireland in 1939, where he fell in love with a local girl and promised to return to her once the war was over. Uh, unfortunately, he was arrested for excessive drunkenness following the liberation of Paris and spent the rest of the war in the stockade. Am I similar to that in a way, in that I've said that James Mackay, I've not gone back in history, but I'm saying James Mackay Mount is a financial advisor who plays prop for Harriet's former pupils in Edinburgh, doesn't bother to train, and is an absolute liability on the piss. <laughs> I mean, Some yeah, kind we both of generationally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, finally, you'll be glad to hear everybody, finally in the VIP this week is Stephen Burgess. I'm first mm. on this one. Stephen Steve-O Burgess is a tenacious open side who so far has had his collarbone broken and pinned four times and still continues to play. <laughs> See, I said that Stephen Burgess was Sam's other, 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 other brother uh, who also thinks George Ford is a snake uh, and has <laughs> vowed to never play rugby union until all evidence of the Ford clan has been eliminated from the sport forever. He thinks that George Ford is a snake, but for different reasons <laughs> that he won't confess Joe, to. Also thinks Joe Ford is a snake and nobody knows why. <laughs> yes, exactly. He seems like a friendly one, but I can tell you a thing or two about him, says Stephen Steve Burgess. <laughs> There you go. Thank you very much, everybody. If you want to sign up and you want a VIP and you want to get us to have a go at that, then please do. Obviously, if you don't want us to waste any more time on that, then don't sign up, I suppose. <laughs> at least there's a kind of, you know, d democracy about this. Um, yeah. Also, a quick mention, there is one more person at VIP this week who didn't want the name mentioned, but if I say this, you'll know who you are. Thank you very much indeed. Um, okay, we begin as we always begin. Hey, not bad after nine minutes. We're beginning as yeah, we always we begin spent, this week. We That's not bad. About half of that talking about Hong Kong and Sunday. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, we begin as we always begin with yeah. a player spotted, where we ask you to yeah, send we... in mundane player spotted, etc. And I'll tell you something, Josh. There's quite a few sort of like high cannon points, really, in this Hello. player spotted this week. Hello. Okay, so Ted Ador or Ted Adore DMs on. The Twitter. Name, and he says, well, very good, yeah. And he says, I once saw Francois Lowe and the rest of the Bath men's team, are you ready for the fucking jackpot now, at oh, yeah. Mega Services. <gasps> mega oh, Services, yes. everyone. The worst services on earth. The worst one. The worst one. On the way back from Cardiff. I mean, seriously, if you're on your way back from Cardiff, why are you stopping at Mega? I know we did, but we, it was half one in the morning. We were busting for a piss and wanting McDonald's. We've been on the piss all. I was, I had, I was driving. Josh had been on the piss all day and needed a wee in a McDonald's. Also, ultimately, and also, we'd realised that we were originally going to wait until we were back in Bristol to get the McDonald's that we were inevitably going to get, oh, and then we right, realised. Yeah. And then we realised that we were too fucking hungry, and so by that point, we were in no man's land. And don't forget, fucking miles shut away. the tunnels, and we had to divert through Newport. <laughs> Do you remember? Yeah, oh, 1 a.m. Newport diversion. Yeah. So great. we were traumatized and needed a milkshake yeah. or something. Anyway, so he stopped at Mega Services where he's on the way back from Cardiff. All the other players were queuing at Burger King, but Francois was inspecting the menu at Chosen Noodle where there was, where there was no queue. He's always a man apart, isn't he? He was it. My friend really wanted to say hi, so we also went to queue at Chosen Noodle. But then when oh. she got too nervous to speak to him, I said hi and exchanged some pleasantries, but knowing that they'd just 
been rather comprehensively beaten by Cardiff Blues. I really didn't know what else to say. I didn't think mentioning that weed, and by we he means Bath University Canoe Club, had also had some pretty bad results that weekend, would improve his mood. <laughs> so he said, anyway, he left us in the end and went back to Burger King. Your banter must have been fucking appalling. Honestly, you've made you've you've basically you drove him back to the fucking back to Burger King. You you drove him back to the fucking hot cholesterol zone from Cho's End Noodle. Anyway, that's, so, that's, that's dated quite. You can date that quite specifically because it's talking about Cardiff comprehensively beating Bath. Which great respect to you, Cardiff fans, but that would not happen right no, now. No, um, and also the. Uh, the fast food outlet in Mega Services is now a McDonald's, as we discovered, and not a Burger King. However, it was the be- it was a Burger King around about two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. That's was the last low time there I then. There. That can't be right. Yeah, Maybe so it must be, it must be it's somewhere between be- somewhere between last last year about 2008 2010 that's all i can tell you anyway tedadori finishes with anyway he left us and went to burger king i felt weird about having joined a queue just to say hi so i ended up forking out six odd quid on some mediocre noodles he said however they were better than the burger king veggie option though i mean you know only i mean only and you've you've walked yourself into a problem there ted so i don't understand why you ended up buying chosen noodle because you got crippled by british awkwardness Mm-hmm. And that's fine. You know, you walked in there, didn't want the noodles, but ended up being so awkward you had to buy them. But the, who chooses to go to these places? When you've got KFC, yeah. I know Mega's different. When you've got KFC and all that on offer, why'd you go to these noodle places? Even Subway's better than that, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I just would not, I fundamentally would not put much stock in a noodle place in a motorway service station. So, you know, I've had a um, sort of, mission burrito equivalent thing that wasn't really it in the services once and it was very poor to be honest <laughs> very poor yeah you're better off going for the proper brand aren't you of simple stuff stuff that needs frying Just... on a grill on a grill and sticking between a bun yeah. you know don't that's gonna be all right don't, don't don't ask them to do it's when you unfortunately have to eat in a weather spoon sometimes it's like don't ask them to do anything don't pick something off the menu yeah. you know it's gonna be a disaster <laughs> zone aim experience you know look where you are and pitch it correctly. It's like when know. Little Chef was a thing, wasn't it? Just order a breakfast. Don't try and yeah, get yeah. anything else. You know what else. they do well. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to make it. It's not going to be nice. You're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, 100%. So there you go. That was the player spotted. If you have a, a player spotted that's mundane and, and heavily features service stations, ideally, then you can send it. it to us, me at leeupbloodandmud.com, or the DMs are open, as you all know. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you very much, and we may read it out. So... In Ireland, we don't get a lot of sunshine. Which means we probably don't get enough vitamin D. And that's why we developed Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Specially formulated, one tiny ultra vitamin D tablet helps maintain your immune system. Providing all the vitamin D you need in one daily tablet. Bring a little sunshine into your day with Vitabiotics Ultra Vitamin D. Pick up your three-month supply in-store and online from leading pharmacies and health food stores nationwide. Acast recommends... 
Podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna, talking to people who stand up, speak out, or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Let's do news, shall we? I absolutely We are we rattling through it this week. Yeah. It'll be seem even more surprising when we're still here in 90 minutes. News-wise, <laughs> Nicky Gonover, 136 years old, is off to finish his career in Pro des Deux. Yes, he is. With Stade uh, Montois. How's yeah, if, if your reaction to that is, I forgot Nicky Gonover had signed for Harlequins last season, then congratulations, you are normal. Um, <laughs> quite a sad way for somebody who has, um, you know, had a really you know, successful career in England to kind of across a couple of clubs. Um to just kind of he I don't think he ever played for Quinns. Yeah, I forgot he signed for Quinns. Yeah. It's just yeah. I mean I know he's getting on a bit, but So he's quoted as saying So he's quoted as saying one thing I've not really experienced in my career is both biting and being repeatedly bitten. <laughs> so I'm off to Pro D he said. Allegedly. Allegedly, yeah. Other French transfer news, Josh. Other French transfer mm-hmm. news. Will Skelton is leaving yes. Saracens and he's off to La Rochelle. I mean, that's not going to make them worse, is it? No, I mean, you know, we've all we all mystify. I mean, let's be honest. The trans it's been said a lot, the transformation of Will Skelton from gigantic human, who was quite frankly a terrible rugby player. Awful. To 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 not quite as gigantic human and a very good player. Efficient yeah. rugby player, etc. Yeah. And now he's off to La Rochelle to imagine to get some reasonable books. Yeah, and also because he ain't fucking signing up to Saracens and throwing his Wallaby career away to go and play in fucking the championship, is he? It's OJ staying in Saracens, though, apparently. Yeah, I mean, it's... Also, he's launching we'll... a podcast. Have you seen that bit of news? I did see, I did see that. Um I think Toji's saying he knows where he, he's almost certain where he's going to play next season, but he hasn't said he's going to play for Saracens next season. Is his second row? Boom! Hey. Come on! Hello! I mean, that is actually applicable to him because he does play quite a lot of six. But, you yeah, know. He's a five and a half. Uh, yeah. Indeed. And Getting one of those two And of course, so I've, I've done one dad joke in the last minute. Let me do another one. Will Skelton will go to La Rochelle because in the off season, he's going to be the Port's Lighthouse. <laughs> Come on! <laughs> In other news, closer to home, everyone at sale, this happened just after we put the episode out last week, everyone at sale has taken a pay cut. Everyone. Yeah. Every everyone member of staff. But absolutely. And some people will be going, this is fantastic. And my first reaction was, who, how much, yeah, what percentage of cuts? Is it across the board the same? Well, well, it, the, the the quote says something that each player is individually negotiated. That's what made me quite suspicious. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, fair enough, whatever. And Sale are also moving back to Sale 
as well, which, you know, are they planning to move back to actually back to sale proper? What from and, the uh, from the stage from the, the depression yeah. dome? The depression dome is going to become a thing of the past, and they want to move, and they have a sports village in sale. Oh, Trafford Council have put ponied up some money, have they? I imagine. Blatantly. Um, but can you imagine how that negotiation went, by the way. Yeah, not. I can't imagine it was a, a particularly delicate one. No. Right, you've got two options. You take <laughs> this figure I've written on this piece of paper, or I feed your feet first into this fucking sausage machine. <laughs> Can I speak to the union rep? No, you can't. Do you not realize union? No, because I put him in the fucking sausage machine five minutes before you came in. Yeah, it was it, there was something weirdly kind of creepy about it that I found quite off. Like, it's just like we're delighted. So and it got done really suspiciously quickly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so uh, so you know, Sale won't have anything to worry about with this squad for the next three seasons ish. Which you know, good for them, good for good Sale. For them. They got it sorted. Everyone's happy, and they signed a contract. You know, they're all yeah, fucking grown ups. They're all they're all represented, yeah. aren't they? You know, it's not like they haven't yeah. done this. If everybody's happy, too. then good for them. Um, other news: this global season thing seems to be taking some semblance of shape. Uh, according to Chris Jones from the BBC earlier, who but not the I way believe, we thought, I don't think, did it? But go on, not quite the way we thought. <laughs> Chris Jones from the BBC is understandably um, he's got as as we're sort of recording right now. I think that the BBC fucking rugby podcast is about to come out with the full details. So he was very cagey about what he. I mean, I can't believe that he's. I mean, they seem to have more connections than we do. That's in weird, terms of what's happening yeah. in the world of rugby, yeah, yeah it's incredible. The, the, bit, the bit that we've seen so far that he will reveal, like a sort of coquettish lifting of the dress is that the uh, club season is going to start in December um, so that clubs can get the the bank from the festive derbies um, and festive fixtures in general and then end in July which will keep the, the top 14 happy because they didn't want to play rugby in August in the south of France and places like that which to be fair who can fucking blame them um, <laughs> um, what we don't know of Yet, but I mean, you listeners probably do because it's probably news by, by now. Um, is when the internationals will fit in, but I'm guessing October and November are gonna be pretty fucking busy, test match wise. Mm. If the club seats, presumably the Six Nations is gonna have to slot in somewhere during the club season. So the club season is gonna start in December, December then and they can take advantage of and, Christmas and then finish and in then July. The, yeah, yeah. And presumably there's still going to be a Six Nations-sized hole in the middle of that somewhere. Well, and the then club season runs do... through the Six Nations anyway, doesn't it? So now. yeah, and then pres- yeah, and then presumably they'll do the Southern and Northern tours in October and uh, November. Is there any talk and, uh, of an All Star weekend in Hong Kong? Has anyone has anyone picked up on that? Tragically, absolutely nobody's picked <laughs> up on that. Absolute set of bastards. Absolute fucking stupidity. Short-sighted. And, uh, Myopic fuckers. Absolute morons, honestly. We laid it out for them. All the details were covered and everything. Practical, (laughs) it was practical and everything. I I gift-wrapped it for them. Didn't even ask for any sort of commission. (laughs) Disgraceful. Any more news? Uh, I mean, there's news, but that's that's not... I've got some news. I'm fucking boiling, so I'm going to just take this like overshirt I have on for a sec while I'm talking. 
bit of rustling and rumbling. That's what that is. Lee likes to be fully appropriately attired for these podcasts. There's layering, a shirt, a layering yeah. was a bad idea. That's all I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I'm a you know you're quite lucky that we're not recording this tomorrow because you know it's it's twenty what is it twenty seven degrees in Bristol today uh, down to about twenty four now. It's going to be thirty tomorrow. If we were recording then, I would be sat here in a vest and it would be a very different vibe. Oof. I think we should be doing that. More of a shameless vibe, I say. More of a royal family vibe on 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 this pod. You know how people have been like, oh, you know, the lockdown has enabled me to just, you know, I've embraced leisure wear. I've embraced not washing my hair and I've embraced, you know, I've embraced vests like a motherfucker. See, I don't even own a vest. I own T-shirt vests for layering, but I don't own vest vests. That's the thing. I don't. I until maybe eighteen months ago, I owned zero vests. And are they white vests now, as well, like proper like under vests? Oh no 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 no. Like, and then I, I I think I bought when it was really remember when it was really really fucking hot last year for ages. Yes. I like remember bought, those podcasts by the way. Yeah. Oof. It's how I they bought, push like, your voice to a solid object of heat around <laughs> you. I bought a vest because I was like, I'm fucking boiling. T-shirts are even too hot. Hot. I'm not. I can't sit around. And let's be honest. Nobody's interested in having a complete top off, are they? It's not tops off. Not. And also, you we're know, not that if, kind of person. If you if you're sitting on a sofa or something, you don't want to be tops off and sweating on a sofa. That's not nice. I mean, I'm, I also so, I have great admiration for the tops off men that you see. Honestly, who walk down the street. I mean, you know, and the, I mean, their derbies are fucking massive. They're an absolute disgrace <laughs> to humanity, really. But they don't give a fuck. And I, I wish it, it, I could give that little of a fuck, really. It is, as the women on the internet say, the confidence of the mediocre white man. <laughs> yes, it is, you yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I bought a vest, and it, it's a revelation. Like, the freeing nature of nothing around my shoulders and arms, even though, I love with you, don't look great in it, look terrible, wouldn't wear outside the house. But in-house, fantastic stuff, especially in hot weather. Uh, last night I put on, it wasn't that warm last night, so I put on... I put on me. I had jammer bottoms on and a, and a t-shirt mm. and then a hoodie because my our front room gets quite cold at night and socks. Every single item I had on had a different colour or pattern. That's cla- it was, that's it, was exactly, a, it was a wondrous lockdown, thing to behold. That's lockdown style, right there. You know, that's how we should be rolling. None of this coordinated fashion bollocks. So that was our news. Yes. Uh, so, do we want to talk about the the games that happened at the weekend? Are we are we up for that or what? Well, I mean, there's quite a lot of uh, quite a lot of the stuff that's happened this weekend has been very little to do with the fucking games, isn't it? Of what mainly, for example, I've learned that rugby is incapable of having a grown up conversation about the dubious merits of Swing Low Sweet Chariots being sung at England games. Yeah, because I get it. This is a very nuanced. No, it's issue. being banned. In, in capital letters. <laughs> That's the thing. There's nothing inherently racist about the song or its lyrics. And so a lot of this is whether you think it's okay that the oranges of the songs of the England anthem are A, problematic, and then B, if you do, even if you do, whether you think that has any bearing on what's happened in the 30 years since. Now, my take on that is, yeah, you can't divorce something that had its origins in being racist, even in a slightly sort of good-natured, affectionate way. So just sing something else. And the RFU absolutely should, and I think are likely to, ditch it from their 
and marketing stuff um, and hashtag carry them home won't be appearing with an official england logo after it next year i'll tell you that for nothing i mean let's be honest that was fucking shite anyway but uh they yeah but then awful. again i have i have a natural kickback against all that stuff but um um especially in the font they wrote it in oh, i found awful. that personally i hate, I hate insulting. that weird handwriting font they use i think it's terrible urban font it immediately it's kind of like awful. an urban font in a place that's well, just the least fucking urban place you've ever been in your life, isn't it? But uh, it's quite literally suburban. <laughs> yes, and, and 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 it's not just the the, the geographical nature of it that is suburban. There is a, mm. a miasma of suburbia that lurks around it. Absolutely. But um, every large organisation at this point is going to be asking themselves to reflect on anything like this, aren't they? Okay. And they've decided to yeah, go. Yeah. I think we need to have a look at how we've used this, particularly your point about marketing, whether that's the appropriate thing to do and whether or not we want to continue to do that. I don't think they can tell people to stop singing a song. It's not overtly racist. It's not, you know, so it's no. not against the law or anything like that. It's, you know, so I think people will do as it, unless it's not actually sung that much. No, it's only ever It gets droned out about... Really smug. And it lasts for it. about 40 seconds. Yeah. Because they don't know, like, because all they know is swing low, sweet chariot coming forth to carry me home. They don't know any of the rest of the song. I've got a bit more sympathy for one. How you use it and the origins of the use of it is something that should be talked about and how they use it. But my, um, as I mentioned, I can't remember online the week that there was a listener who we both knew the same person and he died. You know, they had, they had swing low at his funeral. It's a hymn. Mm. So we all sang it with the organ and everything, you know, because it's a it's it's a lovely piece of music, you know. And I don't think, yeah. but it's there's nothing wrong the with same, having, there's nothing wrong with anybody the, taking a minute to have a think, is there? That's the top and bottom of no, it. No, and I think that's the thing. It's like you know, it seems to me. I think it's quite likely that the RFU will discourage England fans from continuing to sing it, but in quite a soft way, because Bill Sweeney basically has said, "Won't be singing it anymore." He's not going to sort of judge fans who don't have a problem with singing it anymore. Yes. Which I get, it, you know, like, think about it. Like, Bread of Heaven is a, a hymn, hymn yeah. that has absolutely nothing to do, <laughs> do with Welsh rugby beyond tradition. You know, it's a tradition, a damn sight older than Swing Low. But, you know, it's. I mean, Swing Low is an English rugby club tradition and has been for a while. I mean, I mean, the the whole it's 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 very rugger in its in its thing. And the thing about Bread of Heaven is absolutely in sync with Welsh culture. I think that's the thing that I find quite strange about how defensive and how angry sort of uh, thousands of white middle-aged men are becoming about the PC police coming over their sacred tradition that's you know younger than I am. And wasn't yeah. even a th- it wasn't even really a big thing until they made it England's official song at the World Cup in '91, and that's when it you know it was all <laughs> in terms of like constructed things like. Unless they even get into what know. UB40's version of it was like, by the way. Oh, for that oh. alone, it should be outlawed <laughs> in an any decent rugby. Yeah, like part of me thinks it sort of a symptom of the whole like jokingly England has no culture thing in that English culture is so universal and so ubiquitous. They don't have this sort of uniting thing that, as you say, you know, bread of heaven is intrinsically Welsh 
in a weird way. Well, everyone in Wales went to chapel and sang hymns. It was a big fucking deal, and that was one of them. You know, it's kind of because England is all you know is much bigger and much broader and much more kind of you know a diverse place with so many different regions and things where yeah it's harder to find you find something that kind of is communal in the same way i think i remember when i look at this years ago i remember being a bit jealous of the fact that like people from norway could dress up as vikings do you know what i mean (laughs) yeah at sports events i wish we had something like that you know and you know vikings let's be honest were, were, were some of history's greatest shit houses but there was something about being able to put a big fucking helmet on and, and, and have a laugh, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then I suppose what we've got is the whole Crusader night thing, but that never seems to be quite as good. I remember actually thinking, shit, we've got no like... Also, most of, the, most of the Crusading knights were French or well, German. Yeah, and I'm wandering into an area you'd know a lot more about than me, but it's yeah. the... the um, but I remember being a bit done in that there wasn't an obvious... But then I thought, well, actually, no, we've got shitloads of culture, but you're not going to turn up to a fucking football match dressed as William Shakespeare, are you, with a fucking quill in your hand sort of thing? No, you know? or a Morris dancer. <laughs> or anything know? like that, you, you know. And you're not, going to turn up at a, you're not going to turn up at a rugby ground and sing some fucking madrigals, are you? you know, no, it's... but if you're, obviously if you're Mexican, you come in a fucking massive sombrero and you're fucking laughing, aren't you? Do you know what I mean? It's kind of... Yeah. It's, yeah, I, it, I think it, it's the sort of the curse of you know, English culture having become sort of this thing that ruled the world rightly or wrongly a couple hundred years ago is that it doesn't exist. So it's harder to find things that are uniquely yours because it became everybody else's thing as well. And that's where, you know, I guess that's why when you have something like Swing Low that is quite sort of, you know, in a very short period of time, less, you know, 30 years less has become a, a sort of thing that English rugby has to go alongside, you know, the Welsh singing hymns or the Scots singing Flower of Scotland or whatever. Or it, it's kind of, it's that or fucking God save the Queen, isn't it? And Jesus, no fucker wants to sing Jerusalem's that. a blinder. But the, thing, what's wrong with Jerusalem? But from my point of view, I suppose the question that you have to ask is, does, is it a barrier to something? Does it create a barrier or an inclusion problem that's going to cause an issue moving forward. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, rugby is hugely fucking elitist, let's be honest, but they do have the likes of Kyle Sinclair in the squad and they do have the likes of Mario. You know, they have reached out into media and stuff, but mm. that's the question they need to answer. There's anything wrong with it per se. It's just that actually, will will this reflect in a way that might have a problem with inclusion or create any barriers? And- if the answer is no, and they shouldn't use it in marketing, but if the answer is no in terms of the general singing of it, I, yeah, yeah. I, I don't... I don't think we should get too worked up about it, really. Yeah, I think that's it's it's absolutely worth having the conversation, and in many ways, the the reaction is is more kind of revealing and unpleasant than if they'd never said anything at all, you know. And I think they're just trying to get ahead of it, to be honest. The RFU, I think they're thinking, well, at some Everybody point, somebody's going to ask yeah. the question, aren't they? So let's just get yeah. ahead of it. Let's have a nice, and sensible, look- calm review of it before we get people screaming that it's a disgrace. Yeah. You know, and I'm not saying it isn't a disgrace. I don't think it's a disgrace. I'm not saying it's wrong to call it out, but yeah. it's right for them to go. You know what? Let's get ahead of this and actually just take a review. It's a sensible thing to do. So, and I do think also that you know people like Dan Leo uh, Leo made the point that like that I both agree with and disagree with that it's like the RFU should worry less about whether Swing Low 
it's appropriate to be saying at rugby games and more about whether they should be giving, you know, Pacific Island teams yes. a decent share of the gate instead of making them turn up and get beat for hundred quid a pop. <laughs> and, you know, I agree with that. However, it doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be an either or thing. Two things it? can be true at once territory we're in here, yeah. aren't we? we? England should be doing, you know, the RFU should be doing that as well as, you know, having a bit of self-awareness and, you know, people like Mario Atoji have said in the past that, you know, the swing low is complicated. He said it, and it two is. weeks ago, didn't he? He said that it's yeah. got a complicated history and we should, he's, you know, he's a very bright lad. Mario. He is extre- he's an extremely choose, bright. He chooses his words, he chooses words very yeah. carefully and yet also said enough to make it, people realise that this might yeah. be something. Like, I imagine he's done a very long interview on his new podcast all about it with somebody <laughs> I would tell. <laughs> but you know, the reality, you cannot get away from the reality that, you know, it was first sung at Twickenham you know, when a, a black man scored a try. Or at and least that... if it, it, well, there's an argument to say, well, it was because it was a play on Martin of Fire's name in 87, but then they sang it again when another black man scored. That's the, <laughs> that's, that's, that that's makes the, it worse. That's, that's the, the part <laughs> that makes it bad. It's like, if it was just Martin of Fire doing it, or if they just done it spontaneously, it would kind of be, you could kind of explain away both of them. Because like you say, the chariots of fire thing, it, yeah, it's it's perfectly fine. There's nothing to do with it. It's, as you say, it's the fact that they then they saw another black man and just went, "Oh, we'll sing that one again." Then, although Which Brian Moore so- says it was oh. sung, it was sung before Mind of Fire when he played it before '87 at Twickenham mm. is his point. Anyway, anyway, I'll tell you it's already, but it's yeah, so worth having a conversation about. I think. Yeah. Okay, so but let's not get fucking. Let's not just assume that everybody's trying to ban everything. And let's just have a conversation about it. Cancel culture, Josh. People are frightened of cancel culture. Whatever the fuck that means, by the way. Asking questions about things is a cancel culture now. Yeah. Although Mel Gibson still gets to make films. <laughs> yeah. If cancel Weird. culture was a thing, all then that people, fucker would have lost his job about a decade these, ago. All so. these people who have been inverted commas cancelled, provided that they're straight white men, don't seem to disappear at all and come also back one of them's people carry on. The people who would be cancelled, if you believe that narrative, is also the most powerful person in the world. Yeah, that as well, yeah. So he's not been cancelled, has he? So it's, almost, it's, it's almost like cancel culture is not really what anyone thinks it is. No, it's people voicing an opinion is what it is. <laughs> anyway, so, come off the weekend. Now, Crusaders are back, not looking yes. like they did before. Uh, did you see, what I learned was that... Uh, Richie Munger's pass for the Crusaders' first try, where he threw it two-handed over his own shoulder a split second before he got absolutely fucking marmalised, was one of my favourite passes of the day. Brave as well. Because he looked yeah, about half I mean, the size of the bloke who fucking clattered him. Yeah, and also, like, that just, he's got it all. He reminded everyone that, yes. Remember me? Like, for all of the sort of a Terry Black stuff last week and... You know, he's still an exceptionally talented player. And, and you know, it's going to take a lot for somebody to come in and say, I'm the, you know, I'm a better fly-off for the All Blacks than him if he keeps playing like that, let's be honest. I think the best way to describe it is he caught the ball sort of turned towards where the ball came from and he caught the ball mm. sort of at chin level in front of him in two hands. And then it just sort of... And then he it, threw it. If you can imagine, it, he threw it over his left shoulder, between his shoulder and his parallel with his ear. He just kind of threw it, 
And then and he, he got absolutely it. fucking powdered and the ball went... And he, he basically opened he the entire it. attack up. But he did it in a way that at full speed, it looks like he doesn't have a fucking clue what's going on. It yes. looks like he's just been absolutely battered and the ball's come out. But then you watch it in slow-mo and you go, oh, yeah, he's absolutely fully aware of the fact that he's about to get nailed and he's doing the only thing that he can do in that situation to shovel the ball on. And, yeah, it's a filthy pass. Uh, what else have we got here? Also, it took the Crusaders a minute to remind everybody that all this talk about the Blues or anybody else winning Super Rugby Aotearoa will be coming through Canterbury. <laughs> I mean, Thank who, you very much. Who, who would have thought that the new normal is the Blues <laughs> being competent? Yeah. Who had that on their new normal list Honestly, of things to, that are going to be different? They're legit. Like, you cannot argue with that backline, which is loaded. But we've been there before. But the difference is now they've genuinely got a really good platform up front. And because they've always been a bit flash without any grit in the last few years. And that's a big part of why they've always flattered to deceive because they've got all these amazing players and no platform. But certainly on the evidence of the first two games, there's a platform there. And if, you know, even if they can provide them a moderately decent platform, when you look at that back line, you go, yeah, they can. They can hurt pretty much anybody. And that uh, Hoskins Satutu looks uh, all right. <laughs> I mean... So Kieran Reid's off on his way, retiring. Well, well they might struggle now, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> yeah, we've just got this guy who's just a rare blend of size, uh, power and athleticism. And, and peroxide. And we're going to give him really soft hands as well. <laughs> and really good. His pass for the final oh. try of the... Oh. Was it a miss two? Miss one, a miss, miss two. two? Yeah. Oh, it was to throw a miss two as a number eight in that situation with Bowden Barrett outside you. Let's <laughs> go, yeah, all right, Bowden. <laughs> Actually, no, Bowden Barrett passed it on, but, um, you know, to throw a miss two in that situation was ballsy for any player, let alone a number eight. So in lockdown, do you think the Blues players all got on a Zoom call and peroxided all at the same time? It's, it's got that seen... whiff about it, hasn't it? They all were so bored. They were on a group chat and if we're sick of doing quizzes. Let's fucking bleach our hair live. What's support? What's depressed? You know, their barbers are definitely open again in New Zealand now. Yes. And still, this stuff is 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 persisting. You know, <laughs> it's it, it's just not a good look, lads. There's some absolutely rancid things going on there. Horrific, yeah. Honestly, absolutely appalling. Now this is this should be this should play the blues being competent and this hair should not be the new normal. Let the word no, go forth from here. Should. There's enough changing in this world already without us having to deal with that. So Jacinda, if you're listening, can you have a word with the Auckland Blues, please? Yeah, seriously, just be like, guys, get this. Yeah. You're a Chiefs fan. You you should be She's very decisive as Jacinda, yeah. but maybe she could yeah. get down there yeah. and get them told. Introduce and a city she, ordinance she, she or something. Be delighted to see things go back to the way with the Chiefs being bigly competent and the Blues being outstanding again, please. Yes. Yeah. Jumping and back speaking to... Speaking of terrible... Oh, sorry, go No, on. no, please go on. Um, speaking of terrible decisions, though, um, Cobus Van Wick's commitment to keeping the ball alive um, for was was admirable. 
but in the grand history of terrible decisions that lose you games, throwing a blind out the back offload infield on your own try line in a tight game in the last ten minutes, just don't, just don't do it. You absolute lunatic. Yeah, what was you got, he thinking? Because look, I said this last week. Everybody <laughs> was in lockdown as we sat there going, "When I get on that pitch, I'm throwing every <laughs> fucking pass I've ever wanted to throw." And old Cobus has been on the bench, hasn't he? So he's had to wait even yeah. longer with it all brewing up inside him. True. Sat there it's, shaking. He's so fucking honestly. pumped to get on there and do something mad. <laughs> I was just, I was just couldn't believe it. It's just like of all the things, you know, it's already a bad situation because if you take that into touch, you're giving the Crusaders a lot, you know, a five meter line out. That's almost certainly a try. But instead of just going, oh well, you know, maybe we'll get lucky. You're just gonna throw it directly into the arms of an opposition player so Richie Munger can just run over. It is... Can I mean, we, it's... Can we talk about Via Fafita as a second rower, by the way? Yeah. What the fuck's that all about? How does somebody that mentally athletic end up being a, being a lock? Oh, no, I don't know. This is, again, this is, this is what it, the world is now. Yeah, well, basically, as, as sort of... As an exercise for the rest of the rugby world so far... Super Rugby Otero has basically been like them reminding the rest of everyone that yeah you you fucked lads there's there's a lot of good stuff. <laughs> there's an awful lot of good stuff to come here and even stuff that we didn't quite realise was that good before the start of you know is is somehow now excellent after a couple of months off. Speaking of somehow it, now excellent and and stuff that we can't quite fathom. What the fuck was Joe Moody's performance all about? From Pro? Yeah. yeah. Has he been spending lockdown watching Gethin videos and gone, right, <laughs> that's me when I, I gen- go. That yeah, is me I when I go back. I genuinely assume that that is how any sort of baller prop, <laughs> yeah. basically, uh, you watching know, a load of Geth well. videos and gone, what, what have I been doing all these years? And I go, I've been wasting my fucking time. Yeah. Hang on, I can offload. I can sidestep. I, I can even kick if I want to. I mean, not all loose head props should. It it does, you know, we really should make that quite clear. I imagine a lot of it's shut down in training when they try and go full gether, isn't it? You know, <laughs> Stop it. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Not interested in you kicking the ball at all. Don't ever do that no, no, again. No, 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 no. Um, yeah, but no, no. I'll hear nothing no, no, more about no. this. See, I'm sure somebody did say that to Gethin Jenkins once, and then he probably landed a 70-metre fucking wrong foot <laughs> drop goal and then just turned around and shrugged, and they went, yeah, fair enough. There's no point in you kicking, Geth, if you can only kick for 30 metres. There's not a point. Yeah, that was on my wrong foot, boss. Watch this. <laughs> Speaking of raking kicks, I was reminded the other day, because I found the video of Vincent Rattes' kick in the Six Nations, which for some reason I'd forgotten about. And then I watched it again, I, I was like, that, that is... I think about that kick all the time. All the time. It's It was, well... And I know that you know a lot of people watch rugby go, what's good about that? Just throwing your foot. And, stuff. and I think that's this is the key difference between probably league and union fans, really. League fans will watch that and go, that was shit. Whereas Union fans yeah. watch that and go, that is one of the most amazing and beautiful things I've ever seen in my life. It's it's genuinely the best... Uh, it's definitely the best kick of the season. Yes, it's like, up there with, with Slade's fucking raking beauty in the Prem final yeah. a couple of years ago, isn't it? But, like, it's just... 
it's the elegance of it and the power of it. And the pure and the, torpedo of it. You don't see it much yeah, now. Yeah, you don't see nearly enough of it. And the fact that he's about no. six stone somehow makes it even better. <laughs> oh, see, I'm going to have to go and look for that on the internet now so I can just look at it again. Ugh. Speaking of somebody who's not six stone, mm. I had a lot of time for Lau Mappe's ragdoll handoff, <laughs> sucking three players offload for a Me drive. Too. Me too. Speaking of rugby league, that's a very rugby league skill that he did there. You're not telling me you haven't looked at rugby league coaching and gone, do that kind of pull and push thing and then to throw your defender on the floor. Big style. Beautiful though. Again, another lad who's maybe forgotten a little bit. Yeah, you know, remember him on the Lions tour, you know, Mm. how impactful he was. Um, Yeah. Speaking of things that have come back out of nowhere... Drop goals, baby. Well, I've drop written down here that I've back. my drop goal klaxon is now fucking broken from overuse mm. in the first two weeks. Unbelievable. I love it. I just fantastic. See, stuff. I do, I do, but I reckon I'm one more week away from hating them again. Oh, is do it going to mean? Is it like that? It's it's heading towards we're going to have a 1999 Rugby World Cup semi final situation again, where I'm just going to go. This is silly now. It's not really. Yeah, well, this is a wasted possession. This, oh, they yeah. should bring it down. I reckon I'm about two weeks away from demanding it's one point again, like I did do for about a five year period. <laughs> I mean, you got it sorted, rugby league. It's ridiculous. This, how could you kick four goals and be fucking 12 points ahead? Oh, it's unbelievable. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then the, all that went away because people weren't interested. But of course, now they are again. I think maybe again, I don't, I don't want to say we're trendsetters, Josh, but the fact that when we covered that... We have uh, been campaigning for the return of the drop goal and also for a very long time. The Buy the Balls documentary the other week, when basically we're yeah, doing it off yeah, tap yeah. penalties. Tap, have the ball, off, Rano Botica, you know, thunder twatting it from all over the place. <laughs> I, still, I swear to God, if that comes back... Now I'm telling um, you something. Just, but why I'm wouldn't it? Seeing... It's the logical step, isn't it? Yeah. The logical step, because that is miles easier than setting up and in a dynamic play situation... If you just got a penalty, just tap it, chuck it, and let him fucking launch it. Could you do that from a free kick? Really, you could. You could tap it and then throw it to him off yeah, a free yeah. kick. Yeah, yeah. So, so they're, they're not, ten meters away. If you got if you got a free kick at a scrum, at like a you know, a scrum inside the twenty-two, you could, you know, yeah. as the as the nine, you could take a quick tap. As you say, they're ten meters back. Pass it straight out to the ten and stroke over a drop goal from the front of the post. Or don't even, don't even take a quick one. Wait till they're all ten meters back. So no, I'm not tapping yeah. this. So you're all right where you should be. Yeah, tap and then pass. instead, and then instead of running, tap pass drop goal. Yeah, it makes yeah, me well. think that it's not allowed anymore somehow because it's so obviously <laughs> something you should do. But it must be allowed because yeah. once you've tapped it, the ball's in play again. Yeah, you can do whatever they want. So you could you can have a, you can have a free that? kick given easy points. Yeah. You could have a free kick given on the 22 to the right. You could tap it, throw it pretty much into the middle of the field, another seven metres back, and have a bang in front, and everybody's 17 metres away, desperately trying to run towards you. I mean, it... It. <laughs> Josh is now looking up rules because he thinks there must be something that's not allowed. There's probably loads of people shouting now into with their headphones on, going, it's not allowed, you fucking idiots. But, uh, it does make you sort of wonder whether, yeah, whether we have just... Does it have to go through some... two passes or something before you can try and drop? I've never heard this. This is nonsense. We're just like, you know... I just... Yeah, surely... I don't know. I don't know. Honestly, it's... 
But yeah, but, so my drop goal klaxon's been going off so much that I'm pissing off the neighbours, I think. So it needs to... Uh, <laughs> I'll have to retire it because, you know, I, I used to do it once every eight months and now, now it's once every eight can minutes. Imagine, can you imagine if, if that if that whole tap and drop goal thing catches on, though? Can you imagine how much that's going to extend Francois Stein's career? <laughs> he'll basically yeah. be playing until he's well, 50. It, it's, and it's one step away from special teams, isn't it? There'll be another bloodgate... Someone will be bloodgated <laughs> off just to get Franz on, just to do a quick tap and drop goal from 77 metres out. Don't tell me you wouldn't enjoy it, though. Yeah. Well, the thing, and I'll tell you what, though. I'd enjoy it if once, anybody would implement that, it, who, who's the coach who would actually decide that this is the thing and, and then implement it? It'd be Brendan Venter, wouldn't it? Oh, Wherever Brendan Venter is, somebody, he, he will every possession he will somehow do that. <laughs> free kick or scrum free kick, please, sir. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, yes. So, yay! Drop goals. Yay! Drop goals. And what else from the weekend? Did we did we enjoy um, learning something profoundly off with the Chiefs? Mm. Like they just they'd won like we'd won four, lost two before the lockdown, and they were looking pretty decent. You know, they'd shown classic grit and resilience in the Gatland mould. You know, they'd won some games that they really should have lost. But since the lockdown, they seem to have just been struck with another occasional malady of Warren Gatland teams that Wales fans will be very familiar with, which is just getting into a horrendous funk of stupid mistakes and compounding them or, with more sloppiness. Or passing too far away from the ruck with your first pass. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, always that's creeping in again. Oh, yeah. Why are you going nine metres from the ruck with your first pass constantly <laughs> when they're just waiting for you? It's... I mean, there's a lot of things wrong with the Chiefs at the moment. The set piece is a fucking mess. Liner is rancid, uh, but the scrum isn't much better. But it's just like uh, so much of it, you can look at it and just go, there's nothing, you know, all of this is just basically just sloppiness. And and maybe it's just some people taking a bit longer to hit. I mean, you know, yeah. form does dip. And I suppose if you're heading back from that big long layoff in a slightly dipped bit of form, it's not that surprising. I suppose it's just when hmm. the Blues have come back looking like they've come from Very, another, yeah. they've been replaced by people from another planet then <laughs> that we're just not used <laughs> yeah. to. Then. It, look, it looks worse against, you know, the Blues being pretty decent again, you know, and, and hitting the ground running and looking really strong and positive and all of a sudden the Chiefs just look really ponderous and really directionless. And it's it's weird, you know, they're lacking something. I think it's just Gatman's just devastated about Bryn. Did you see that? Um, did you see the Skype call thing that Bryn and his sister did? No. I think it was for... Um, I think it was for some sort of TV thing in New Zealand, but Bryn was basically doing a like Zoom slash Skype call with uh, his sister, and they were basically talking about how you know Gatland and has been sort of humanised a great deal by the TikToks and all of yes. that sort of stuff, and then <laughs> and then. Gats's daughter just was like, you know, and I'm I'm really glad that I'm now the favourite child, obviously. <laughs> and then there's a brilliant moment where just because obviously Bryn's li- appears to be living with Warren at the moment because Warren walks into the room behind Bryn and just goes, "Yeah, he's out of the fucking will." 
And then, <laughs> and then turns around and leaves. And then they ask him to do a dance, and he says, no, I think I've made enough of fooling myself. Ooh. And then, I know. Ooh, I think so you are. Honestly, I, the fact that Warren feels bad and embarrassed about his TikTok dancing shenanigans makes me sadder than anything else. It's like, em, embrace it, Warren. Embrace it. Do you reckon he's trying to put the normal, like, get a flavour of the, the distance like it was like before? He only will only now speak to Warren from the other room. <laughs> yeah, they the basically phone. don't interact at all. They just talk on the phone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, Bryn did say that they'd had a phone call, like, a couple of he's like I get dad took a couple of days to get over the loss and then he called me which was a very very Warren Gatlin thing and uh, he said I can't I can't say some of the things that he called me on the phone which again just means that he called his son a cunt which <laughs> big big fan of that <laughs> it genuinely must be weird to play a coach or play in a team opposite to you to your kid mustn't it I mean I know they're all professionals yeah. and all that but for uh, you know for you know, for all of these, coach you don't want to dads, see the guy who it's... scored the winning try five minutes after it's happened having a chat with you, do you? I suppose, especially when you hate no, fucking also, losing, which I think they, yeah. They and if you really, be. yeah, all professional coaches obviously despise losing quite pathologically, but then to sort of have this weird cognitive dissonance of it's your son that's, you know, it's horrendous. It's a. It must have been the same for Mike Ford when, you know, he was when. He's coaching against George when he was at there, Leicester, you know, and for obviously the Farrells. Yes. But, and, you know, maybe we'll see the same for Die Young when, uh, well, actually, actually, no, because they're not, they've, they've the rumours are out. It's not going to be Die Young at Gloucester next season with Rob Howley oh. as the dream team. Apparently, it's George Skivington. Oh, I did read that, yeah. I mean, Nothing says weird. I don't know much about George Givington's coaching record, to be honest. But it's 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 a big it's it's. Well, I suppose Gloss was thinking, well, what 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 have we got to fucking lose? We might as well try somebody inexperienced for a laugh because now else is working. So yeah, I mean, if I was a Gloucester fan, I would not be delighted about that level of sort of climb available in terms of visibility. I mean, Dime might have wanted it, but I don't see why he wouldn't have wanted it. He wants a job. No. Yeah. And Rob Howley wants a job. You know, both, you know, die a very good club coach, Rob Howley, an international coach with 12 years on his CV or whatever. Including the Lions. You know, including the Lions. And one of Six Nations, don't forget, and for all the shit that he and one of fucking And one of fucking Six Nations, exactly. Yeah, it's... it. I mean, it says something about where Gloucester are in terms of what what's happening with that club at the moment. Imagine I think. Skivington was much cheaper. Exactly. You've got to say yeah. that, haven't you? So <laughs> uh yes, but yeah, so so something's rotten in the state of Waikato. Shall we do shit good? Have yeah, we, we reached should. that point in our lives now? I think we have, haven't we? Reese not gets um, in touch and he says that shit is the Frankenstein type nonsense. I must have gone on to give Sexton the arms of a man eight inches taller than him. He's referring to the picture of, of Sexton in a vest. Yes. Very yes, topical. In a vest, indeed. I don't think I, I, I think I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb, Josh, and I don't want to be awful, but I think he probably looks better in a in a vest than you do. Fucking right he does. And I he's certainly better, do. So he's got better traps than I have. Uh, I, I I have compared He's got better to... traps than me in that he has traps. 
Yeah. There is a presence <laughs> of traps. <laughs> he looks. I did. I did compare it to that now notorious feet, uh, photo of uh, friend of the pod Mike Bubbins in two thousand and two with what can only be described as comic book lats. Have you seen that picture? Yes, his lats and traps were beyond. The, uh, yeah, uh, they yeah, looked like they yeah. were photoshopped. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. it was. Uh, yeah, I said. I said lats. I said traps tonight. Mm. Um, yeah, it's. I don't understand. As a couple of people said, how does this make him a better fly off? And yes, but he, these people had fuck all to do for the last three and a half months. You know, as professional athletes who are required, who are going to have to keep themselves fit and active and in physically good shape, without being able to do anything that they've previously done, and with just the gym equipment that they've got access to at home. So yeah, you know, it's probably a case that, you know, Sexton's just got re- you know was bored and got hench. It's like prison gym time, isn't it? Remember when Johnny Adair exactly went, like went into prison, exactly fat, like that. and came out yeah. looking ripped. Yeah, you know, te- it, fat it, terrorists are kind of muscle man terrorist. <laughs> not it's not exactly saying Johnny Johnny Sexton's a terrorist. You understand that no. Johnny Adair was the first that jumped in my head at a prison transformation. So, yeah, they've basically been in solitary lifting weights, some of them, haven't they? It's the only yeah. way they've got through it, obviously. And you look at, you know, some of the... What's I'm a sure fucking empty life you must have, if that's all you can I'm do. Sure, yeah. I'm sure it's not the case with Sexton, because he's, you know, very well remunerated and probably already had a good sort of fitness setup in his home. But the reality is, for a lot of these rugby players, when they started, they didn't need to have, like, an in-home gym. Because they had a gym that they went that to worked. every day that they were paid to be in. You know, why the fuck would they want a treadmill in the house? Yeah, unlike us That's daft it. fuckers who pay to go in them like fucking idiots. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but like you, so chances are these people probably haven't had much stuff available. Because I've seen a couple of the Welsh players who have been working out in their gardens or wherever. And the stuff that they're using is you know, all the like weights plates and stuff have Welsh rugby embossed on the side because <laughs> WIU is basically going, so lads, who's got a couple of dumbbells and a, <laughs> and a medicine ball in their house? And they've gone, no, well, you provide all that for us. And they've gone, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, Johnny Sexton has just gone, well, I haven't got access to the full gym that I normally would have. So I'm just going to spend literally three months doing shoulder shrugs. <laughs> with some books on my shoulders yeah. the, um, the 14 tins of beans strapped to each shoulder but the um, my sisters like, well my half I'm an only child really, I've got half sisters on my second marriage who I don't really know that well and they're both I mean I, I see them they're fine but I don't know them that well but this is too much detail for what I'm about to tell you but basically they're both massively into CrossFit mm. like compete at like European level and stuff like that and in ridiculous yeah, shape and they've been posting all those home gym workouts with kettlebells and all that shit on the Facebook stories. And um, CrossFit is weird. I find it very odd. In that you come from an um, evangelical Christian background, Josh, don't you? Yeah. It has a bit of that whiff about it. In that Big style. You go there cult- five hours a day. Culty. You are culty. not friends with anybody who doesn't go to the same church as you. And if you do want to be friends with people not from the same church as you, people look on it suspiciously. I've got an yeah. uncle and an auntie as Jehovah's Witnesses, and that's the closest I can, can kind of compare to it. They're very lovely people, but they go to Kingdom yeah. Hall. They don't really knock about with anybody who doesn't go down Kingdom Hall. And I think that's, yeah. um, that's what CrossFit feels like. 
I think because CrossFit is, you know, particularly if you get hard into it, it is so outrageously demanding of your time. And dear. I mean, the, the, the gyms yeah. are basically a fucking garage somewhere, like a warehouse unit somewhere <laughs> with a load of free weights in, and it's about 160 quid a month or something. It's like David Lloyd's only fucking 110. And you get a spa See, with I that. Lo- I looked at David Lloyd, right? And they don't tell you how much it is, do they? They say, yeah. inquire. And I'm like, well, one, this is going to be dear. And I'm sorry to anybody who does go to David Lloyd, but the kind of people who probably want to be members of David Lloyd, I don't want to spend time with. I, do you know what? They literally just opened a David Lloyd about 15 minutes from my house. Um, and it's got like indoor, outdoor swimming pools. It's got relaxation areas. It's got, you know, there's, there's like seats that you can like lie in, but they're sort of in a pool. And yes, it's sort of like yes, yes, yes. All that sort of stuff. And I did look at it and think that looks fucking great. And then I inquired and <laughs> I laughed in their faces and went, you're fucking mental. <laughs> I mean, it looks lovely. We don't live in fucking Monaco, pal. Do you know what I mean? What kind exactly. of price you quote? Yeah. yeah, I'm not paying, you know, the price of a mid-sized family hatchback every year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For, you know... A gym. It is still a gym. Still a gym. And everything How? around it is a gym. I know there's a bar there. I don't give a shit. There used to be a bar in Hollywell Leisure yeah. Centre. That was equally as crap as the bar you're going to have, I imagine. <laughs> and it's also like, oh, yeah, you can use it as a place for, you know, business meetings. And it's like, what sort of cunt? <laughs> what sort of cunt takes a you business meeting? Imagine if you're trying to build a, a partnership with somebody in business. You go, where do you want to meet? Well, I've got a room with David Lodge. Yeah, I'm not interested in doing business with you anymore. Yeah. I'm afraid. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> Although, I mean, let's face it, it might be fucking bargain basement cheap by the time this is all That over. is true. But yeah. I have that terrible, like, that equally attracted and repulsed thing. Do you know what I mean? 100%. 100%. It's the reason I want... why I don't want to live in a nice village. I do, because I want <laughs> nice coffee shops and stuff. But then the people who have a strong desire to live in a really nice village, I won't like them mm. because of their no, strong desire to live in a nice village. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah, it's, it's, I, I am. Which is a terrible thing. I'm sure they're the lovely it is. people. It's this, this is There's my some... problem, not their problem, you know. It's absolutely some sort of reverse snobbery. Oh, it is absolutely I that. Think. And I don't, and I, I don't I, hide I, from I, it. I'm yeah. there with you. Yeah. So, anyway, anyway sorry, what the what? fuck were we talking about? Jo- this all started with Johnny Sexton's traps. Traps, La- yeah. He looks in rare shape for a man who's 35, although he does still have an Asbo face. So. Yeah, all it now looks is that he could definitely handle himself when he gets himself into shit. Maybe do you think maybe his shoulders will will somehow stay in place now? Maybe that's what it is. To be fair, he has had shoulder I, trouble. He's I probably been given I did, a. I did think is has he been working on his shoulders because his shoulders are. He's been given a conditioning plan to protect those yeah. bones a bit more. Yeah, <laughs> they're basically you're basically building a sort of cushion of la- of trap across your shoulder. <laughs> that's right. He's basically <laughs> grown his own shoulder pads. Yeah. Although I love it with you, if you've ever done anything to your traps in a sort of muscle, really fucking painful, and really also, painful. The times I've gone to the gym, the shoulder press is horrific. Your shoulders are very weak. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going to lift stuff over your edge, you're like, and you think, this is all right. You do about three and then it just it just gives up. Your shoulders go, fuck this, I'm out of here. Not a chance. <laughs> Not interested. I mean, 
Anyway, so let, uh, onward. Yeah. Have you got any shit? Yeah. Come on. Other shit. Um, shit. It took Premiership clubs all of a week to start trying to fuck around with the spirit of the new salary cap reduction being in, you know. So all the clubs were telling us how enthusiastically they supported lowering the cap and all of these new sort of recommendations that were brought in by the miners' report. And then they admitted to explain to the rest of us that any contract that was signed before the 19th of June would only count 75% of its value against the cap. And so agents, basically agents reported that clubs were showing an unprecedented level of urgency to re-sign as many players as was humanly possible um, so that they could outspend the cap by the best part of a quarter if they got... Oh, now you can move. How how much are we finding that, oh, now you can move quickly in the middle of this pandemic, aren't you? Don't even get me started about ordering IT kit at work. (laughs) Yeah. Three months ago, can I have a laptop? Yeah, it's a six-week lead-in. How can it be a six-week lead-in when I can go to Curry's PC World and get one now on Click and Collect? And then, of course, when we've all got to go work at home, they somehow managed to mobilise 5,000 laptops at the, at the drop of a hat. Now, obviously, it probably cost a fecking fortune, didn't it? But it is one of those little frustrations. Anyway. Yeah, but it's, it's, it, I understand why the clubs are doing this and why clubs have basically signed any player they can get hold of, particularly the big earners into new deals, you know. But fuck me, given everything that's got on, and gone on with the salary cap over the last couple of years. It's it's basically like making the Hamburglar the manager of McDonald's and then leaving him alone to close up. It's like you can't they they can't be trusted to look after their own shit because they're just. And this is why I have no problem with agents. Yeah. Imagine how much people would be fucking diddled. People say agents feed. So fuck off because before it, it, do you know what I mean? It's like yeah, well, when we left you to be in charge, you fucked everybody over. <laughs> Yeah, Do you know it's, it's like when sort of, sort of nobody trusts the grown-ups anymore when kids are saying they've been abused? Yeah, because when we left you to be trusted, you, you fucking did industrial-level abuse of children. So funnily enough, no, we don't fucking believe it anymore. <laughs> anyway, where would... So, okay, yeah. what more shit have we got? Ian Alexander says, shit is my calendar reminding me I was supposed to have been in Wales this week to see my family and watch the Pro 14 final with my best pal. Been a lot of that, hasn't there, during lockdown? <sighs> Yeah. More than that, it, when he's supposed to go on holiday, it pops up for a flight that you remembered you've still not been fucking refunded for. That's the that's yeah. The really... I like that. <laughs> Great fun. Um, shit is whatever Jack Goody's mullet must have looked like before he had a haircut because <laughs> his lockdown just looked as rank as normal on on Saturday. On and yeah, it, yeah, I, like it did in the yeah, last time which we've means seen he's, it. he's had a haircut, cup. you know. But imagine how bad it must have looked before. Because it's it's a, one of the one of rugby's all time most horrible haircuts. I think there's something particularly offensive about it. Oh, it's, it's horrendous. There's a lot of it in the crowd as well. A lot of crowd shots. Yeah, out I mean, of New, Zealand, that. New Zealand and Australia both have a sort of weird love affair with the mullet, and I respect that. But I don't know. There's just something about Goody's mullet that's just it's rancid. It makes me feel a bit ill. I think it's the curliness of it. It's not good. Uh, Gareth Jones says that, well, it's a, well, it's a shit, but it starts with a good good. The rumour will be very confident Reese Carre is heading back to Cardiff. But shit, is Saracen signing him? He's away for the Rugby World Cup and then gets about three games before COVID suspends the season. <laughs> yes. Mm. 
Um, actually, other shit. After I criticised the Highlanders and their hipster shirts last week, yes. uh, a word of contempt for Scott Robertson and company uh, looking like provincial nightclub bouncers on uh, in the Crusaders. He's box. the one who break dances, isn't he? Yeah, black black shirts tucked in with black jeans. It's a horrible look. Don't do it. Uh, shit, Johnny says shit is the amount of all lives matter style posts and retweets from the rugby union community. Yeah. Oh, I can't get into yeah. that now. I'm too depressed by it all. But yeah. Simon Rainer says shit is NZ commentators calling the refs fussy and worse for enforcing the laws they said they, they and everyone else agreed they should. I mean, we're, I, I agree with that to a point, but also we are allowed to just say something was a good idea and then in practice it not be a good idea. Everyone's yes, allowed to change their mind. <laughs> uh, David um, McIntosh yeah. says that shit was having a dream in which I got hammered in a pub and loudly argued with a bunch of strangers about line selections for the next year. I woke up wanting to punch myself in the throat. <laughs> I even thought that no matter how long lockdown lasts, none of us, still none of us, want to talk about the lions. Absolutely not. I mean, a lot of people are talking about the lions on other podcasts, but no, thank you. Sam Ashworth no. said, "Shit is Courtney Laws." Oh yeah, that feels like ages ago now because everything. But yeah, that was a spectacularly terrible. It's a weird thing that I, I did. I reacted quite uh, vociferously to that. I think it's because. I was on free school meals, so it, I, I get I take it quite personally. Right and right, you when say. people have a pop yeah. at the fact that you know if you, your parents had just stayed together like people should, then you know, and it's like, well, no, fuck off, mate. And uh, but uh, so I do, you know, so I admit that it was a personal thing. But um, I don't have a problem with the fact that he thinks that people, you know, are voicing opinion about financial security and marriage. It's a traditional view I don't necessarily agree with, but I, I understand it. It was the way in which he kind of like shittily sidebarred it in a congratulations yeah. rash. It was like, no, you're yeah. not really congratulating him, are you? You're actually riding no. on the coattails of this and hoping to put across your agenda. Great, yeah, great win. But have you heard about family values? It's like, it's just... The nuclear family, which obviously rescues gross, everything. And to be it's honest, gross, a lot of people do think that and families are not a bad thing. Of course, they're fucking not. But families are no. a bad thing when you're living in the middle of it and it's fucking awful. Yeah, there's there's nothing beneficial about a fucking nuclear traditional nuclear family that's massively dysfunctional. No, you know it is damaging. No, I'm not being funny. It is damaging yeah. to live in it, yeah. and you don't and really think, forget what it's like. So therefore, you know the fact that you might be on free school meals because your parents broke broke up. Fuck off. Yeah, well, <laughs> and that's the, and that's the, the sort of. As you as you rightly say, you know he's perfectly entitled to his opinion. He's perfectly entitled to kind of take this kind of hardcore. You know, we all know he's a massive fucking Tory. Like he's the hardcore family values thing is his shtick. He has traditional views, yes. Yeah, I'm quite happy he likes voicing them. To be honest, I've got no problem with the diversity of opinion. Of course, I haven't. You know, fucking hell. But equally, everybody else is allowed to call him a right twat for it, especially for the timing of doing it. That's the thing. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you set up a fucking (laughs) foundation then and see if you can do it that way? Yeah, I mean, he's covered himself in you know huge amounts of glory over the last couple of weeks. You know, with having a go at Black Lives Matter protesters and people protesting against Dominic Cummings and all of these sort of things. You know, he's. He's had he's he's been on one, and it's a kind of living the now, mate. Fifty percent of divorce of families end in divorce because people don't yeah. live together and be miserable and inflict that on their fucking kids. 
So yeah. there's a question, but you can either force them to stay together and create misery and, and a well-being problem for everybody, or you can maybe lobby to have a better funded system from the state which assists parents, because I'm telling you, whatever you might pay in free school meals to these people to keep them steady and secure, they'll pay it back fucking millions of times over if you give them a fucking secure situation oh. to live in. Yeah. Sorry. And it's, no, but it, <laughs> Sorry, it's, 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 it's I've revved up my battery again of, now. <laughs> but it's that level of kind of the casual ignorance of it that boiled my piss about it. I'm just sort of... I just It's that I classic scenario of just beware of people offering simple solutions to very complex societal problems, <laughs> which might actually need some yeah. larger fucking discussion. And it also doesn't accept the reality of where society is either. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. No, really Should we move on to good now? Because I've fucking exhausted yes. that with a... Tell you what's good. On the flip side of that coin, Ellis Genge continues to demonstrate basically that he's the sort of person that rugby needs more of. Like every time, this. what's he done? Well, every time he opens his mouth at the moment, he's basically saying something insightful, intelligent, and generally uns- unfiltered, whether it's about race, whether it's about class, whether it's player welfare, whatever. So he had a thing where he was discussing with on that uh, Joe House of Rugby thing about, you know, yeah, yeah, rugby yeah. and race and rugby and class and, and spoke very, very eloquently and in a uh, totally kind of non... Yeah, there's no side to him, is there? No, and, and too many players in rugby and as a whole, to be honest, but in England in particular, have come through being actively discouraged from challenging what the status quo is because of what the English rugby system is like. 75%, I looked this up because I was curious, 75% of current England internationals attended private school, which is according to the government's elitist Britain survey from 2019, which I just... <laughs> yeah, their title, <laughs> not ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is compared to 5% of professional footballers yes. in England. Uh, and only 19% of Welsh rugby internationals went to private school as well. Which you know is still, quite, but I honestly think there's like, nothing no wrong matter. with going. People who go to private school, that's that, no, that's where not. they were church sent, and that's the life that they lived, and yeah. that's that is. It's more about the but structural whatever, problem. Yeah, and whatever your background is going in, like you know, six or seven years at Millfield or Wellington College or Harrow is going to, you know, bring you into a system that carries on you know that precipitates itself you know because that's what the system is designed to do and i think you know somebody like alice Genge, who went to you know who's from Knoll, which is a you know not a very kind of very economically nice area and of of bristol mm. you know traditionally but a sort of a kind of classic working class labor voting area and went to school in kingswood which is you know 10 minutes up the road from me which is like an extremely white, vaguely sort of scary working class area that loves, you know, voting in weird numbers for the BNP every couple, of, you know, every four years, is you don't get rugby players with that no. kind of background and experience very often. It comes back to the point we we're making when we discussed this before: is it's just about diversity of opinions, isn't it? And mm-hmm. if you homogenise everything, that's what it becomes. And that includes yeah. right wing or elitist opinions. They're they they have they have equal merit as well. It's just that they shouldn't be yeah. the only opinion. You know, it's and if you don't no, do something I, about it, and that comes back to the kind of swing low review, 
that's my point earlier. If it, it creates mm. barriers to the likes of Genji, he doesn't like he has. Cause he, I would like about Genji is he generally doesn't give a fuck. Whatever barriers yeah, and, might be. But not and, everybody's going to be like him. No, but equally, you know, on another side of the coin is Ashton Hewitt, you know, Dragon's mm. winger, who's basically, you know, <laughs> rapidly elevated himself into rugby's loudest sort of player voice when it comes to speaking very passionately and forthrightly about racial equality and, and prejudice and racism within rugby and, and within our society as a whole. And, you know, A, it's very funny that he's inadvertently become the means by which Katie Hopkins has got permaban from Twitter. That's fucking hilarious. But also, it's just refreshing that somebody is being that... Because you're used to... like If you follow American sports, like you're used to seeing athletes being outspoken like that, whether it's fucking LeBron James, whether it's Colin Kaepernick, you know, it's, mm. there's quite a, a her, you know, a history and a heritage of that. And it's quite unusual, whether it's Marcus Rashford or Ashton Hewitt or Ellis Genja or whatever for British sportsmen and particularly rugby players to be using their platform in this way. And it's, it's just, it's fucking great to be honest. Let's be honest. <laughs> it's like, it's important. You know, talk about uh, Anna, uh, our lovely patron, Anna Sell, said uh, she echoed several others and you there in saying the biggest good of the week for her is Ashton Hewitt, who is at least part of the reason Katie Hopkins was launched off Twitter. Um, and not just that, though. His vocal, she says generally his vocalisation of the direct and indirect racism he and others have faced by clubs, fans and the media. What made me smile was, you know, it shouldn't do really, but you know, sort of like people that you really admire come from the strangest of places, like Ashton Hewitt coming from Newport. You see the other week when a busload of Wrexham fans went to go and kick some shit out of far-right people in Manchester. Because yeah. I went on Twitter and I was like, oh, why the fuck's Wrexham trending? Is it a fucking oh, spice exactly problem again? I was like, and I clicked oh, it and I was, I was like, oh, fair well, days. I, I, I saw Wrexham and it was on the day of the fucking football lads and I was like, oh, God, there's not a load of Newport, like Wrexham firm lads. And, and, oh, no. Yeah, they, there's another video they're, they're of like, the people off the head on spice at two in the afternoon in a bus shelter doing the rounds. But no, it's a, no fair play. Anyway, moving on with good because time is is rattling on. Indeed, uh, Ian Alexander says good is the, the there's been the creation of a loosely rugby based Skype group called Lefty Brigade RFC who got together over the love of this podcast. Honestly, I hope just... you enjoy yourselves. Carry on. <laughs> That's made me delighted in a variety of ways. Hunter Sewell says good is my girlfriend agreeing to watch the rugby with me. Shit is her choosing Saracens because she likes the colours. Oof. And Australia because she likes wallabies. Uh, I mean, I'm not being funny, Hunter. I don't want to. I don't want to see the breakup of a relationship. But <laughs> do you know what I mean? I mean, some of these things have to happen, you know. Yeah. What else have we got? This good here. Good. Morgan says Dane Cole showing he is the all-round back by doing a Rob Jones dive pass from the rock. Oh, lovely. <laughs> I mean, of all the people we thought would see a dive pass coming back from it, wouldn't be anybody. Ryan White said it good is the growing enmity between Edinburgh and Glasgow's press teams. Really? Well, we've got Glasgow Warriors said, see you then, lads. Any tips on playing in an empty stadium to Edinburgh? Oh, I did see that. And Edinburgh said, passing to your own teammates would be a good start. Oh, Bants, innit? Honestly. Official I account find, Bants. I find official account Bants so boring. With the exception of, of, to be honest with you, Bristol, who do it excellently. Um. Yes. Yeah, it's not great, is Aldi it? Aldi and Little had a good set. They used to have a round, like, <laughs> pretend rounds with each other, which was actually quite funny. Yeah. 
Not but so yeah, Edinburgh and Glasgow, just, you know, let's pull together, guys. Rugby's in a bad place. We don't need to do all this. Uh, good. James Gorkrod just says, good is the NRL YouTube highlights. Everybody's still, you know, guys, Super Rugby's back now. You don't have to I keep know, on watching the NRL. Dave Price is good was the try in the first minute from the Crusaders out and out rugby point. Yes, yes I refer you back to the Richie Moonga over the head uh, pass. Indeed. We're probably done, aren't we? Thank you to everybody who's sent us in some <laughs> shit goods, but uh, we've been going long people, and we started late because my teenage daughter made me pick her up. I hope genuinely that uh, all the people who, you know, criticised us for actually talking about rugby for an hour and 45 minutes last week will feel suitably, you know, <laughs> chastised slash sated by the absolute nonsense that we have mainly talked about for the last two hours or whatever the hell it is. We thank you all for sticking with us. Indeed. We thank you for listening to us throughout all this lockdown. Things are slowly returning to normal. The rugby, proper proper rugby, it sounds ridiculous. Local rugby, if you like. We'll be back Indeed. in a couple of months, they reckon. And then we'll be onward to the brave new world of the of the season and the Auckland Blues being competent. And I, for one, <laughs> don't know what to do with this information. So we'll be back next week. Speak to you all soon. Goodbye. Indeed. 